You guys can be seated. How are we doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Man, uh, it is such a pleasure uh, just to be here. And as we start, uh, I want to start as I do oftentimes. Man, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. Uh, I love that psalm, and it's something uh, that's just near and dear to my heart, so I hope it encourages you today. Well, we've been in a series called Mind the Gap, uh, and we're talking about biblical answers to everyday struggles. And I want to tell you personally, this one is near and dear to my heart, but before we jump in to that, I want to ask you a couple questions. I, I, I want to ask you some questions that I just have a feeling are going to elicit some emotions, okay? I'm not sure if they're good emotions or not, but I think they'll elicit some emotions. How does it make you feel when you're standing in line and you're wanting to pay and get on your way and someone just starts talking to the cashier, okay? How does it make you feel when you're driving down the freeway during rush hour traffic, period, uh, what about paying taxes? Any emotions? Uh, people interrupting you. How does that make you feel? That's a personal pet peeve of mine. Man, don't cut me off. Uh, how do you feel talking about politics with someone who sees things different than you? Uh, are you mad right now because I brought up uh, politics and taxes and driving? You're like, I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. If you feel like a pressure cooker that is about to lose it, you're not alone. You, you are not alone. In fact, when we look at all that we're navigating this, these days, inflation, economic strain, personal frustration, the upcoming political season, depression, anxiety, fear, it can all lead to anger. If you don't believe me, just watch the news and let me know how you feel afterwards. If you feel relaxed and peaceful, go seek help, right? Uh, it, it elicits emotions, and it's, in, it's affecting young people especially. As a matter of fact, a survey conducted shows that approximately 64% of young people from the ages 14 to 21 experience uncontrolled anger. In other words, they're experiencing anger to such a degree that they don't know how to control it. Now, when we talk about anger, this is what we mean, right? Anger means feeling strongly annoyed, displeased, or hostile. Any, anybody else in here feel that from time to time? I'm sure you can think back over the last months or so and remember a time when you've received that kind of anger. Maybe. You can sit on the other side and remember when you gave that kind of anger. Let me stop right here and just say that anger in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. Anger is an emotion that we've been given by God, uh, so it's not in and of itself bad. But what we do with our anger can become sinful and hurtful, not only to ourselves, but to others. What we do with our anger, right? This is something that I've had to deal with. When I was young, I had a horrible temper. I mean, I had a, a real problem with my anger, and I would get out of control real fast. I'd go from zero to a 1,000, and, and my parents literally sat me down at one point and said, Matt, you have to figure this out. You have to get a handle on this because you're losing your temper, you're getting in fights all the time, and you're getting old enough now that it's going to start having some serious 
consequences. So I worked on it. And I thought that I was better. Until my son's sixth birthday party. Now I say sixth. It might have been fifth. It might have been sixth. But he was young. And we had just moved to Oregon uh, for the second time. We had a short time where we moved away and we moved back. We bought a house. And this house was dated. It had a different color shag carpet in every single room. It had a pink toilet and a blue toilet. In the uh, dining room, it actually had turf, okay, like fake turf. And so I spent tons of time ripping out carpet, ripping out toilets, scraping the ceilings. If you ever scraped a popcorn ceiling, let me tell you, you know how much work it is. And I put tons of heart and soul into this house. I put hardwood floors down in the the living spaces. And and I was really proud of our house. And we had a birthday party for our our son. And somebody, actually two somebodies, decided it would be a great time to take the cake and start a food fight. Now... There are few things that elicit anger from me, like somebody starting a food fight in my house after I've spent so much time working on it. And just, uh, you know, this could either be like to your advantage or you could use it as a weapon, but I'd ask that you not. I hate like sugary, sticky stuff on my hands and on my hair. I just hate it. It drives me nuts. And so they start a food fight in our uh, dining room. They start throwing cake and I'm seeing it hit the walls and I'm seeing my blood pressure rise. And then they look at me and I know what they're thinking. So instead of confronting it, I ran out of the house because I knew that I was about to lose my temper. Uh, They saw me running as a challenge and so they took cake and started throwing it after to me as I was running through my backyard, I ran through our chain link gate and I ripped my hand open and I saw red. At that point, I boiled over. Now, one of my friends that had done this, their car was their pride and joy. And I knew this. So I went and I took a shovel and I scooped up the cake and I walked outside and I slammed it on their car. I was furious. My anger had caused me to act out in a way that had significant consequences. Now listen, life is a compilation of little choices that have big consequences. My choice had some big consequences. Now yes, they shouldn't have done what they did, but I chose to react, and it had some significant consequences. I've heard stories of people that have totaled cars, lost marriages, and even ended up in prison because a momentary little decision based out of anger. Sure, all of us can think of a time where we lost it. I had lots of apologies to give out as party favors on the way out. I'm sorry for acting that way. I'm sorry that you had to see that. I'll see you at church on Sunday. (laughs) Now, like I said, we've been in this series, Mind the Gap, and 
And I don't know about you, but anger is something that I've had to deal with in my life. Maybe you've had to deal with it as well, or maybe you're nudging somebody next to you right now because you know that they deal with it. Don't, don't nudge them right now, okay? But what I love about the Bible is it's so real. It has story after story after story of people navigating real issues, and anger is certainly one of them. King David dealt with anger. And in this series, we've been looking at Psalms and, and Psalms that give us actions that we need to fight these battles. And David understood an anger. If you've never read his story, I, I would love to encourage you to do so. He faced anger that so many of us can relate with, but in ways that I hope that you haven't had to relate with. David went through a lot of things in his life that were really difficult, especially towards the end of his life. And so he says this when it comes to anger in Psalm 37, 7. He says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carried out their wicked schemes. Now, Psalm 37 is a response to the problem of evil, which the Old Testament it often expresses as a question. Why do the wicked prosper and the good suffer? Last week I talked about reading Psalm 73, and I hope that you read it. And if you didn't have a chance to read it, this week I'm going to add to your homework. Read Psalm 73 and read Psalm 37. They deal with this question. And David has two audiences he's focused on in the song. He's talking to the readers, us, and us throughout history, and he's talking to himself. Like I said, during the last leg of David's life, he had to witness enemy nation after enemy nation rise up against his kingdom. One of his daughters, Tamar, was actually raped by one of her brothers. And then David's son, Absalom, kills the brother and flees and returns and tries to establish a kingdom in place of his father, David. I don't know about you, but I imagine at some point, David felt some anger. That David felt some anguish and some frustration about the things that were happening. That he just kept getting squeezed tighter and tighter. In fact, have you ever squeezed a water bottle and then like popped off the lid? What happens? The lid, the lid just goes flying, and the more you squeeze it, and the more you twist it, and the more pressure you get, the further the bottle cap flies. And I, I feel like that's how our anger is at times. I mean, he has to be telling himself, how do I deal with these things that are going on? And I imagine for you, that's what you felt like at times. That you felt like you stepped into a situation and you knew that there'd be a little bit of pressure or tension there. Maybe it's a family meal together or, or, or maybe it's the political season or taxes are coming due and you're not sure how you're going to handle them. And you just feel like you just get twisted tighter and tighter and tighter. And you're like, don't say the wrong thing. Don't make the wrong move because I'm about to blow. Maybe. You posted a comment on social media that was taken wrong, and now you're in a fight with somebody online. Maybe your kids are acting ungrateful about spending so much time at home, and they're complaining, or, or they want to be away and doing other things. Maybe your spouse made an unnecessary comment about why you did or didn't do something. 
honey, why'd you forget to take out the trash? And you just feel like you're getting twisted, tired. The bills keep rolling in. Your bosking ass is asking too much of you. You name it. I don't know what that is for you, but you feel like you're about to explode. Have you ever heard the term amygdala hijack? The amygdala hijack, it refers to an emotional response that is immediate, overwhelming, and out of measure with the actual stimulus because it has triggered a much more significant emotional threat. That's what happened when I lost it and I went and got a shovel and I picked up that cake and I threw it on their car. It was, it was out of character. It wasn't how I would normally act, but I had amygdala hijack, and suddenly my brain was you know, just filled with so much stimulus that I just reacted. It disables the frontal lobes and activates a fight-or-flight response. Now, without the frontal lobes, you can't think clearly, make rational decisions, and you're like, yeah, I've seen somebody who's lost their cool before. Your EQ drops, and our unprocessed, raw emotions get the best of us, and often it comes out sideways, doesn't it? It comes out sideways. It doesn't come out the way that we would necessarily desire it to come out. I don't know uh, if you know this, but anger has been called one of the most confusing emotions to understand. Uh, One of the reasons is because anger is not our first emotion, Do you know that anger is usually a secondary emotion? Anger is a secondary emotion because our first emotion oftentimes is is embarrassment. I I didn't like the way that made me feel, and so I get angry. Or or something else happens, and, and we're upset about an injustice that's happening. And so because we're upset about an injustice happening that we know isn't right, we get angry about it. It's like a smoke detector telling us that something's going wrong and that we need to address it. So David says, when the alarm is going off inside of you, be still in the presence of the Lord. To be still. There's something so freeing when in the midst of our anger, we can come to God and say, God, I feel the pressure building up. I'm just going to take a moment to be still. Do you know that, that probably three-quarters of the issues that, that result from our angry outbursts could be solved if we just listened to Psalm 37 and were still? To just be still for a minute. To let those emotions pass us. David says, I am going to be still. And David knew that outside of God, his anger would get the best of him. It would ruin and destroy what he loved and valued most. Again, if you look at the story of David, you see times when he acted out of frustration or anger or something was done to him out of frustration and anger, and you see the consequences. You don't have to look far, even in your own life, to see the consequences of our anger. So it begs the question, why is the presence of God so important in dealing with it. Because what you turn to determines what you turn away from. You ever thought about that? 
What you turn to determines what you turn away from. In the midst of your anger, in the midst of an amygdala hijack, if you turn towards your anger and towards your frustration, you're going to feed it. You're going to feed it, right? And if you instead turn towards God, if you pause, you're going to turn towards that and you're going to feed that. It's one of the things I say all the time. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you feed grows. And so what we turn to really matters. And David knew that he had to turn towards God. That he had to turn towards God and trust in him in the midst of his anger. So you're angry. They're angry. Why are we so angry and how? Do we deal with it? David, as he understands this, he figured out that if he turned towards his hurt, his frustration, and fear, that he'd be turning away from God and that he'd be feeding something that had negative results that he didn't want in his life. And he understood if he turned towards God, he'd be turning towards peace and patience and holiness that he so desired in life away from that pressure. Because you can release that pressure. He writes... In Psalm 37, 8 through 11, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. Why? It leads only to evil, right? He's saying, listen, refrain from it. Turn from it because I don't want to feed that in my life. I don't want that growing in my life. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. This is the same reflection of Psalm 73. He's like, I know how this ends. I know the direction in which this goes, and I want to feed holiness in my life. I desire to inherit godliness. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. See, if you read David's story, I bet that you would believe that he had every right to be angry. But he knew how to respond when anger came knocking at his door, when the pressure seemed like it was mounting. He's pleading with himself, and he's pleading with you and I to turn away from anger, to turn towards Jesus. Because he knows when you turn to anger, it leads only to harm. He's saying, listen, when we give in to the pressure and, and the presence of anger, that all my hurt, all my emotions, all my feelings are just gonna grow and grow, and I'm gonna have an amygdala hijack, and I'm gonna do things that sometimes I don't even remember what I said or what I did. Anybody been there before? And I'm going to have to go back and figure out how to make it okay. So back to the birthday party. I can laugh now, but at the time it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at all. I had ruined my kid's birthday party. I hurt myself physically. I had blood streaming down my, my arm mixed with a sugary frosting. I hurt others emotionally. There were other young kids there, and they were terrified. Like, I lost it. People were upset. I had to make apologies, and I felt like an idiot. I let down my kids, and I let down my wife because of my anger. 
Some will say, but Matt, you had a right to be angry. And I agree, there was a secondary emotion of anger that was justified because of what was going on. But what I turned to in that moment mattered. And what I turned away from made a difference. I turned towards my anger, and the consequences of my actions were on me. And if there's one thing I feel like we need to know in this day and age is that the choices that we make have consequences. Throughout time, they've had consequences. And those can be incredible consequences. Consequences of health, consequences of a a great marriage or relationship, a consequence of of a wonderful relationship with our kids. But when we make negative choices, those have negative consequences. That's not God trying to punish someone. In fact, God is saying all throughout the Bible, turn away from this. There's consequences that I don't want you to have to suffer. Turn to me instead. David knows this, and he reflects on it in verses 14 and 15 of Psalm 37. He says, The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Some of you have heard this before, uh, but I love this quote, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You heard that before? Bitterness, when I'm bitter and I harbor anger and frustration and all kinds of things within my heart, when I choose to stay angry and bitter, it's like me drinking poison and expecting the person that I'm upset with to die. It doesn't work that way. And and David is reflecting on that right there. He's like, their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. There's a better way. And at the end of the day, don't you want to be less angry? Don't you want to be less frustrated? Don't you want to be less fearful? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's what I want more of in my life. So three things today I would like to encourage you to do as we begin to wrap up today. First, I want to encourage you to pause. We talked about this earlier. Pause like David did. God, I'm going to be still in your presence. And even though I'm having an amygdala hijack right now, I'm going to be still. I'm just going to be still because I know that if I at least be still, Most likely, there are not going to be awful consequences of that. If I trust in you, you will take care of me. The second thing I want you to do after you pause is I want you to pray. I want you to pray. See, there's something that happens when we pause and then we begin to pray. We begin to turn towards something that's godly and away from something that's going to cause us harm and consequences. God, I'm going to pray that you just help me as I navigate this emotion, as I navigate this, this thing that is frustrating me. And maybe it's okay to be frustrated and maybe it's not, but God, I want to handle it your way because I've turned this way too many times. 
I've fed my anger, my frustration, my bitterness, and my rage, and I've given in to it, and I know that there are consequences that I don't want to have to deal with in my life. So I'm going to pause, and I'm going to turn to you, and I'm going to pray. And third, I'm going to pursue. I'm going to pursue godliness. I'm going to turn away from worldly uh, worldly actions. I'm going to pursue Jesus with not only my words, not only my prayer, but my action. I'm going to open up his word and, and just read. Maybe Psalm 37 or maybe Psalm 73. And I'm going to remind myself how God takes care of us. And how the meek. And the humble will inherit the earth. And not me reacting out of my frustration and anger. I'm going to pursue his word. I'm going to pursue his presence. I'm going to pursue Jesus' ways that are higher than my ways. And his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I'm going to look to him as an example. Maybe I'm going to reach out to some of my community. Because there's times where our anger, our frustration is building. And we just need somebody else to say, hey, like I'm pausing I'm praying, would you pray with me? Would you help me as I desire to pursue Jesus in this situation? Because listen, at the end of the day, the more that we turn to Jesus, the more we can turn away from anger. And I would join the cry of David. I would join the cry of people who throughout the Bible have said, listen, God, your ways are higher. Your ways are better. And I don't want to navigate the consequences of my anger. And so I turn to you. How about you? In your struggle with anger, maybe start turning towards Jesus. Maybe for the first time, you're like, man, instead of just letting that amygdala hijack happen, I'm just going to pause. I'm just going to start with pausing. And Matt, you don't know how hard that is for me to pause, but I'm going to do it. I'm just going to give it a try and see if it doesn't bless you and the consequences of our actions. Maybe it means turning off social media or the news for a while. I'm going to tell you, I severely constrain the amount of news that I consume because every time I sit down and watch it I don't leave feeling excited and happy I leave feeling stressed and anxious and angry it doesn't mean that I don't pay attention it doesn't mean that I'm not involved but it does mean that I limit it because I know how it affects me and I know that I want ways of God that are higher than my ways. And I know that that's a trigger for me. Maybe it means for you as you prepare to go into tax season or to driving to that one place and you know there's that junction that always just causes you anger. That you just pause before you go. Before you start filling out the taxes. Before you start driving down the freeway. Before you start going down that path that's going to lead you to have to make a decision that you pause and that you pray, God, would you be with, with, with me as I navigate this decision? Trusting in you. Helping me navigate what comes my way. Maybe it's a conversation with somebody. And you know, man, there's just an incredible opportunity for there to be a fire. Now, I'm not talking about a literal fire but I'm talking about fire in the relationships and the interactions that you have. I love the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 20 says, 
Without wood, a fire goes out. If there's not fuel, a fire goes out, right? Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. I love that proverb. If you don't feed it, if you don't feed the fire, it begins to go out. Stop feeding it. Maybe some of you have a habit of going around and talking to a lot of people about an issue, but you don't talk to the person that's actually dealing with it with you. Go and talk to them. Humble yourself. Come before that person with humility and seek to make it right. Because that fire goes out not only in your relationship, but how it affects others as well. Turn to God. It's not just about not losing your temper every once in a while. It's about living the abundant, fruitful life that God calls us to. For the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't know about you, but every time I begin bearing fruits of the Spirit, that I begin turning towards God and I, I turn away from the anger that can hijack my life, I like, I like the fruits of this. And, and, and I appreciate not having to deal with the consequences of that. So maybe today we can together desire to be a church that turns towards God. And God, I just pray today that you would help us in the midst of our struggle to turn towards you, that we would be still, that we would pause. God, that we would pray and present our honesty to you because, God, you can handle it and that we would pursue you. That it wouldn't just be, God, smite this person. They're driving me absolutely crazy. But, but God, would you give me your heart? Would you help me to pursue you in the midst of my frustration and anger? That we would enjoy the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of a relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt.